Good morning again and welcome to South Durham Church. My name is Pastor Adam Darnell and I'm so glad that you're watching online today. If you're new here, we would love to connect with you and you can fill out the form on our website at southdurham.org connect and someone will be in touch with you this week. Now we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 through 13 today. Uh, but before I read that text, before I pray and read that text, I just want to give you a couple of updates about what's going on in the life of our church. First of all, I want to praise God again for the uh, produce ministry that's happening. We have been the, the recipients of produce, uh, free produce from the Baptist State Convention uh, that we've given out to you. And then you have turned around and given them out uh, this week to 60 people that we know of uh, in our uh, neighborhoods, in our communities. Uh, and you've done that in the name of Jesus. And you've invited people to church and, and let people know of the love of Christ for them through that. So I rejoice in that and I'm so glad to be a part of this church family and this ministry that God has given us in the midst of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, now we also continue to watch what's happening in our country and, and grieve uh, the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. And I want to invite you to join me tonight from 8 o'clock to 8.30 for a special time of prayer, uh, of lament and a prayer for peace and reconciliation. That's going to be 8 to 8.30 tonight, and uh, you can register to get the link online uh, at southdurham.org slash prayerforpeace, southdurham.org slash prayerforpeace. Again, that's tonight, 8 to 8.30 p.m. Please join us for a time of lamenting prayer for peace and reconciliation. Now, we're continuing our series in the book of 2 Corinthians talking about the God of all comfort, and today we're in chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to pray and then we'll read that. Uh, I'll read that and then we'll dive into the text. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. You are high and lifted up. You're worthy of all praise. God, you are the eternal unchanging one. And we thank you that you are unchanging, um, that you are always good and always righteous. And Lord, we give you praise for that. We ask you to help us in these shifting days to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, we pray for the families of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. We ask you to be near to them and their grief. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for peace. Lord, we pray for an end to all racial prejudice. Lord, it's a violation of the image of God in each and every human being. And we pray, Lord, that you would root it out of us, your church, uh, first, and that you would root it out of our country and bring justice. Lord, we pray now that you would be with us. Uh, we thank you for, um, for everyone working on, in police forces across our country to keep us safe. Uh, and we pray that you would, uh, you would strengthen them uh, in this time as well. We pray for, uh, for justice and righteousness and goodness to be done. We pray as you, uh, as you lead us into this text, God, help us to grow like Jesus. Help us to rely on you to find our comfort and our peace in you and to go out into the world as ambassadors for Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I want to read to us 2 Corinthians verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, and then we'll dive into this word. God's word says this, Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listen to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, 
by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. This is God's word to us today, and we give thanks to God for it. Now, back when we started this series, we knew that we needed strength that came from God. We were already in the midst of the coronavirus crisis. We didn't know, I didn't know how much we were going to need God's comfort for difficult times. We didn't know everything that was going to happen in the last couple of weeks with the, the racial killings of, of black Americans in our country, with the, the protests and also the violent riots. We did not know how much our world was going to be thrown when we opened up this book of 2 Corinthians. But it makes it all the more relevant to be in this book together, to be considering the God of all comfort who gives us strength in whatever we're going through, to minister to Him and to others in the world. Now today we're in 2 Corinthians 6, talking about the comfort of God's grace for today. The comfort of God's grace for today. I don't know about you, but I need God's grace today and every day. Now one day, in the future, when Jesus returns, uh, Julian of Norwich said it this way, All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. But in the meantime, we Christians are called to be servants of God who endure in ministry in a world that's falling apart. And that's always the case, and we can feel it, can't we now, with the coronavirus and the riots and protests and racial killings in our country. We can feel the falling apart nature of the world. Now, we saw last week that we're called to be ambassadors for Christ and ministers of reconciliation. And this week we're seeing another way that God sustains us for ministry. Last week we talked about resurrection hope, that we have this hope of the resurrection and it keeps us going. But today we're talking about grace for today. We're talking about the need to hold on to the grace of God for today. Do you know that you need to hold on to the grace of God to keep going today? I just want to talk to you about that one thing. I want to talk with you about how to hang on to the grace of God to keep going today. And from these verses, I'll give you four ways that we can do that. The first way to hang on to the grace of God to keep us going today is to see that today is the day of salvation. See that today is the day of salvation. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Paul writes this, Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now the quote there comes from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. That 
quote that Paul says, in a favorable time I listened to you, in a day of salvation I've helped you. It's from Isaiah 49 verse 8. And just about any time in the New Testament that it quotes the Old Testament, you need to understand that that the author is not just referencing that quote, but usually they're pulling in the entire context as well. Now, in this case, the context is Isaiah 49 verses 8 through 15. And it's so beautiful that I want to read the whole thing to you. Isaiah 49 uh, verses 8 through 15. Listen to these verses. And this is, remember, this is what Paul says is happening now, today. He says it like this, Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out, and to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, listen to this, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And here's God's response. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Isn't that beautiful? 700 years prior to Paul's writing, God made this incredible set of promises to Israel that he would bring food and safety and security, that he'd bring the Gentiles in, the surrounding nations, into the promises of God, into the land of God. God promised this flourishing in life to the whole world through the people of Israel 700 years before Paul's writing. And Paul is saying that those long-ago promises are being fulfilled today. It's now. Now is the day of salvation. So church, hang on to the grace of God to keep going today because today is the day when God is fulfilling all his promises to his people. We must not receive the grace of God in vain and give up and lose heart and walk away from the faith when times are hard. Today is the day of God's grace for you, for me, and for the world. Now you might be thinking it can't be. These are terrible times. But you might be, you know, feeling like nothing good can come out of these times. I've heard some of you say in community groups and to me uh, throughout these last few weeks, I just don't feel like there's hope. I don't feel like there's any way that good is going to come from all this. But Paul says today is the day of salvation. And the reason that it's now, reason that the day of salvation is today is because of something that happened in the history of our world that no current event can ever do anything to diminish. And you know what I'm talking about, the resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It is in Christ that all the promises of God find their yes. We saw that in 2 Corinthians 4.4, if I remember right. In Christ, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are now, right now, being gathered into the one family of God, are being brought together into unity, into the one family of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, into the promises of God, through the working of God's people throughout the world. It is in Christ that we who were once were slaves to sin 
and imprisoned by our old nature have been set free and brought into the light of God. Through Christ, God has incredible compassion on his afflicted people. Jesus became afflicted for us so that we could be comforted forever in him. All these promises of Isaiah have come true because of Christ. Now, brothers and sisters in Jesus, if your eyes are only on current events, whatever those events may be at any time, it'll be hard to hang on to the grace of God for today. We've got to look back to the cross and resurrection of Christ to see today in the right perspective. Let me say that again. We have to, as Christians, this is what it means to be a Christian, to look back to the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we can see today through the right perspective. Because of what happened there on the cross, today is the day. Today is an opportunity for people of every tribe, tongue, and nation to come into the family of God and begin to experience freedom from sin, begin to experience life everlasting that begins now. So what do we do with this? Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself every day of the gospel of Jesus. If that's tough for you, that's why we have a church family. Ask somebody else to get a group of people together, two or three, four people together and say, hey, will you remind me? Hey, on Tuesday, it's your day to remind us of the grace of God in the gospel. And then just go around, always be preaching to yourself, the cross and resurrection of Christ. If you are having a hard time seeing God at work, preach the gospel to yourself. If that's not working, go read the gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read part of them every day and see today in right perspective. That's the first way to hang on to God's grace to keep going today. Uh, It is to see that today is the day of salvation. The second way to hang on to God's grace is to see that God is working in the hard days. See that he's working in the hard days. Look at verses three through five. Paul connects the authenticity of his ministry with endurance through the hard days. He could endure the hard days because he knew God was still at work. Here's what he says, verse three. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. That's a crazy list. What Paul is saying is that his his team, him and his team's endurance through, through these difficult circumstances actually helped people to see that their ministry was sincere. So understand the flip side of that, right? If when times get tough, we let go of the grace of God, and give up advancing the gospel in the world, what does that say about the sincerity of our ministry? What does it say to people? It's an indication of insincerity. But if we, like Paul, suffer and endure in the ministry, in advancing the gospel, it is testimony to some people that Jesus is alive, that God is real, and that there is power in the gospel. So church, Are we only going to work to get Jesus to people when it's convenient for us? No, we can't. We have to go forward. Are we only going to work to get Jesus to people when it doesn't cost us too much? No, we have to go forward always. See, Paul and his team suffered. They suffered the general suffering that the world throws at us. He says afflictions, hardships, and calamities. Have you had some of those this week? Have you seen those in the news this week? 
Paul and his team suffered when people attacked them for their work talking about Jesus. He talks about beatings, imprisonments, and riots. You can read about that in the book of Acts. And we know what riots look like these days. And can you just imagine being in a town and being on the receiving end of an angry mob of people? That's what Paul went through. And not only that, but they suffered in the ministry itself. He lists the labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. Their ministry was so hard that sometimes they couldn't sleep and they had to go without food, but they kept on ministering. Now, why? Why'd they keep going? To advance the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul's actually in prison. And he writes to the church in Philippi to say, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me, in other words, the fact that I've been arrested for preaching the gospel, the things that have happened to me have actually served to advance the gospel. He's glad that the gospel's going forward. That's his goal. That's where his eyes are. He knows that God is working in the hard days. Today is the day of salvation, even if today is difficult. Now, God is at work today, so don't give up and don't lose heart. Today's the day. Let's keep pressing in to advance the gospel in our lives, in our church, and in the city, and in our world. Hang on to the grace of God to keep you going today. Psalm 34, 18 just a beautiful verse says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Those are words for the hard days. Are you going through hard days? The world's in hard days. God is at work in the hard days. See him working. Let's not go inward and, and just focus on our lives and ourselves because the days are hard. God is at work in the world in the hard days. Let's endure, let's go out. The second way to hold on to the grace of God to keep you going today is to see that God is at work in the hard days. And the third way to hold on to the grace of God to keep you going today is to live out of God's power for today. Live out of God's power in you for today. In verses six through 10, Paul tells us how he did that. Uh, he gives us a, a depiction here, I think, of what God's power looks like in a life. What it looks like to live indwelt by the Spirit of God. Look with me at verse 6. He says, By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, and the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. Let me just ask you, which one of those do you need to grow in most in the coming month? Which one of those do you need to think on and pray for? Do you see how those are marks of the power of God in a life? Do you see how those commend our ministry to people as being the real thing? There's purity there. So that's integrity before God and people. That's lives that match the message. That's not just being a Christian on Sunday, but it's, it's about being people whose entire lives are lived before the presence of God. Corum Deo it is in Latin that we're, our whole lives are lived in the face of God, in the presence of God. The pastor uh, theologian R.C. Sproul said it this way, the big idea of the Christian life is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. In the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. If you're in Christ by grace through faith, then God the Holy Spirit has empowered you to live your whole life in God's presence. Is there any impurity in your life that you need to confess to God today so that you can be a pure vessel for the work of God in the world, so that you can hang on confidently to God's grace and keep going? 
brother or sister in Jesus, take it to God. Confess it to Him and receive forgiveness. He loves you and He's gentle. That's purity. Knowledge is in this list. God the Holy Spirit has given us power not just to know about God, but to actually know the living God. Do you know the living God? Do you know Him through meditating in His Word and having conversation with Him in prayer? Do you know Him or do you just know about Him? Are you living out of your knowledge of God Himself? People can sense that and and it commends our ministry to them as being the real thing. Patience and kindness are in the list that Paul says about as he's illustrating what it means to live in the power of God. So how are we toward people? Are we patient and kind? I could, I could tell you some embarrassing stories about times when I've tried to convince somebody to believe the gospel and become antagonistic towards them when they didn't agree with me. Uh, I can tell you some stories about ways that I would be unkind or impatient when people wouldn't believe. But God, remember, God is the God of all patience in in addition to being God of all comfort. And He leads us in patient kindness. His kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. He is patient and forbearing. He's not quick to anger. And He empowers us for the same kind of patience and kindness toward people. So are you patient and kind toward people who need Jesus? If you're harsh with them, if you're impatient, if we are impatient with people who are rough around the edges, it's a sign that we haven't really grasped the patience of God for us, which is a sign then that we're not living out of the power of God, the gentle, strong power of God in our lives. So patience and kindness are in that list. And then it's interesting that Paul puts the Holy Spirit in that list. If you're a believer in Jesus, then that means that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. He's taken up residence in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a believer in Jesus. God has to open our eyes to the truth. And so the indwelling of the Spirit, it's not just something for super Christians who have achieved kind of next level Christianity. No, there's no two tiers in Christianity. There's only one tier of Christians. And every believer, every genuine follower of Jesus is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. So then the question is, do you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit daily? Do you know how to discern His voice? And do you obey Him? Or are you a word-only Christian who doesn't know the voice of the Holy Spirit, doesn't obey and hear That's dangerous. It's a truncation of the power of God in your life. Now, the Word, okay, let me be careful here. The Word of God is normative. It it, it gives us the boundaries. It tells us what the truth is. Okay, so we ought to test the spirits and we ought to test all of our wisdom by the Word of God. And yet as believers in Christ, we are not to quench the Holy Spirit. We're to follow His leadership in line with the Word of God, in day-to-day life. Are you walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? If if you're like, I don't know how to do that, pray, just ask Him and search the Scriptures for what they teach about the Holy Spirit and pray and let Him lead you. Now, then there's genuine love in that same list there as we're talking about what it looks like to live in the power of God 
in your life today? Genuine love. Do we genuinely love people? If so, that's a mark of the power of God on our lives. Because by our nature, we genuinely love, generally we genuinely only love ourselves and maybe those closest to us. But God, because of His great love for us, has changed our hearts so that we can genuinely love even our enemies. Are you living out of the power of God in your life? That's the third way that we're talking about, to hang on to the grace of God for today and to keep going. Now that's just verse 6. Verse 7 goes on. Paul continues to describe what this life lived in the power of God looks like. And by the way, this is the verse where I get that phrase, life lived in the power of God. He says this, verse 7, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. God's power enables, to spe- enables us to speak truthfully about Jesus to people. That doesn't mean we'll always give an entire presentation of the whole gospel, but it means that when the Spirit gives us opportunity and prompting, we will give truthful testimony to Jesus and His work in our lives. Now, the weapons of righteousness there could either mean uh, our righteous lives commend our ministry to people, or I think it means the righteous works of God. That as we tell people the works of God, the goodness of God, that has power and it changes people. Uh, So are you living in the power of God so that you speak truthfully about Jesus with people? Uh, Wielding the weapons of righteousness, uh, the good weapons of of God and who he is as we go out in the world and talk with people. And then I love what Paul continues, he continues to describe life in the power of God and advancing the kingdom of God in verses 8 through 10. And I love these verses. Listen to these again. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet make many, making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. See, when the world looks at Christians, it often takes the cynical view and says we're impostors. Have you noticed that? Cynicism is rampant in our society. We almost never take the other person uh, with their best intentions, uh, and often for good reason. But the, the world looks at Christians and will say with a cynical eye, we're impostors, we're faking it, we're hypocrites. And then, so there's some truth to that, okay? There's truth to this, these lists, all these different things here that we're impostors, we're unknown. Uh, we are generally unknown. We do gospel work in obscurity. No one knows my name. Few of you do. No one knows our name and the name of our church or even the biggest church in America. I don't know what that is, but the biggest church in America is such a small fraction of the number of people in the world. We are as if unknown individually. People treat us like we're dying and punished and sorrowful and poor and empty-handed. That's what Paul's saying. And in a sense, what I'm saying in a sense is they're right. They're right. All of that's true. None of us is perfect. We are all a little bit hypocritical. We're all imposters in a sense. The vast majority of people don't know my name or your name. We are dying. There's no doubt about that. We are sometimes punished for our faith. Maybe we don't get the promotion. Uh, Maybe it, it costs us a relationship. We're often sorrowful in this world as we suffer and see others suffer. Generally, Christians are lower on the socioeconomic ladder. We are poorer in general. And so all these things are true. The world sees us in these ways. And yet for all of that, there is a deeper paradoxical reality here. However people treat us, whatever people say about us, if we're genuine followers of Jesus, then the second half of of each of these pairs is profoundly true about us as well. We are true 
sincere, and real if we're really followers of Jesus. We may be unknown in the world, but we are well known by God who made us and knows us. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows exactly what he made you for. He knows everything about your future. We are well known. That will help you on days when it's hard to get through. We are dying, yes, and yet by the virtue of the forgiveness of the cross and by virtue of the hope of resurrection, we, though we are dying, we live. By all accounts, George Floyd, who was killed by the Minneapolis police officer, was a follower of Jesus. If so, and I hope it's true, if so, he is more alive now than he ever was. And when we see him in the resurrection when Jesus returns, and we who are in Jesus are raised from the dead with him, we will enter the most real life we have ever, ever experienced. The most real life there is. Though we die, yet shall we live. That makes life meaningful, makes life worth living, and makes some things worth dying for. Don't have time to explore that. Even if we're punished in the world, no one can kill us in the way that really matters. And yes, we're sorrowful. Yes, we grieve. But we're always rejoicing because we know that Jesus has the victory and that Jesus is coming again. We know that today is the day of salvation, that nothing can stop what God is doing today and that nothing can stop what God will do in the future when he brings justice to the earth. We are sorrowful, but we're always rejoicing. It's part of why we get together every week and sing songs of joyful praise. And even if we're poor and empty-handed in this world, through our ministry to advance the gospel, we are able to make many rich. Now, rich in what way? Well, rich in the same way that makes it true that even if we have nothing in this world, we possess everything in Christ. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. C.S. Lewis put it this way, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Do you believe that? He who has God and everything else that this world could give has no more than he who has God only. If you have Jesus, you have everything. That's what Paul's saying. That'll help you get through tough days. That'll help you hang on to God's grace and keep going. Do you realize the power of God available to us, brothers and sisters in Jesus? Do you realize the power of God available to us and through us for the world? Let's live out of that power daily. That'll help you hang on. And the fourth way to hang on to the grace of God and keep going today is to open your heart to give and receive grace. Open your heart to give and receive grace. This is verses 11 through 13. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. See, the problem in the church at Corinth was not that they were unloved. Paul loved them deeply. The problem was that they did not love Paul in return, and so then they wouldn't listen to Paul and they weren't able to grow. The problem wasn't that Paul didn't open his heart to be gracious to them. No, he continued to love them even when they were turning away from him. And the problem was that they wouldn't open their hearts to receive God's grace from Paul. So from these verses, I just have two questions for us. Will we keep our hearts open to people even when they close their hearts against us? That's the first question. 
Let me say it again. Will we keep our hearts open to people even when they close their hearts against us? That's the way of the gospel. That's the way of Jesus toward us. And the second question is this. Will we keep our hearts open to people who are trying to minister the grace of God to us? Will we keep our hearts open to sincere ministers of grace to us? To put those two questions another way, will we let a lack of love prevent us from ministering to people in Jesus' name? And secondly, will we let a lack of love keep us from being ministered to in Jesus' name? What is holding you and I back from growing up in Jesus may not be that no one is trying to help us grow. I hear that so often as a pastor. I don't fit in here. I don't connect. No one loves me. No one's here to help me. Now, that, that might be true. And what you might need to do is open your heart to people whose heart isn't open to you. But, it, but this also might be true. It may be that what's, what's holding you back from growing in Jesus is you don't want somebody to help you grow. That it's too scary to open your heart up enough to let someone confront you with the grace of God in Jesus Christ. A South Durham church family, we want to be a church where it's safe to admit your need, where it's safe to admit your need for Jesus. We're a church of needy people who need Jesus. And the only way that, that people are going to feel safe, that you're going to feel safe and I'm going to feel safe, to open my heart to receive ministry from you is if my heart is open to love you no matter what. And if beyond that, my heart knows that God loves me with an unchanging, gracious love. So do you know the love of God for you? And is that flowing out in allowing you to love those that you're trying to minister to and to love those that are trying to minister to you? Church, let's hang on to the grace of God to keep going today. These are tough times. There's no doubt about that. But we need to keep going in the ministry of the gospel. And today is the day of salvation. Today is a time for revival. Today is a time for us to learn to pray, a time for us to, to go forward with the mission of God, a time for us to confess our sins to God and purify our hearts before Him as the world is, is in upheaval. And then to go out. Because God is at work today. Today is the day of salvation. And God is at work in the hard times. And so live out the power of God in you for today and open your heart to give and receive grace. May God be pleased to keep growing us into a people like Jesus, strong in meekness, ready for action, working to advance God's kingdom with open hearts toward all people. And we will be that to the extent that our own hearts are being stirred with the love of God toward us in Christ. And nothing, church, can separate us from the love of God for us in Christ. So church, Hang on. And if you're outside of Christ and you need an anchor for your soul, and you know you need help that comes from the outside to keep going. Call on Jesus. He is near to the brokenhearted. He says, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And find rest for your soul and strength to keep moving in ministry, ministering in the world uh, today and every day. I hope you'll join us on that journey. And church, let's keep going. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, which gives us strength. I thank you for the grace that you've poured out on us. Lord, I thank you for the power in us 
and through your love for us. I pray that we would live in your love and be strong in, in you and in the strength of your might. Lord, we pray for the healing of the world. We pray you'd, you would heal us so that we might be agents of healing and reconciliation in this city. We ask it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.